Father, we want to come to you this morning and thank you for your greatness again and praise you for what you've done in my life. Father, you are a great and powerful God that can do amazing things with all of us despite what we've been through, what we've done, um, or what people have done to us. Father, you've got a great future ahead for all of us. It takes listening to you. It takes working together to be able to accomplish the goal. Uh, and I'm, I'm so thankful to be a part of a congregation and a church, a church body that encompasses the country <laughs> to be able to uh, try to uh, spread your glory. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for this morning. We pray this in his name. Amen. Okay, so I'm assuming that you guys uh, probably are the group that you thought that maybe Clint or Kelsey was down here or Chris or Courtney <laughs> were down here. So if you guys need to move on up, now's the time to do so. Just kidding. If you don't know who I am um, and who this beautiful uh, young lady is, uh, this I'm RJ. This is my wife, Ashley. Hey. We are the youth minister here with Crossing Church, and we've been serving in that role for, I guess, going on 13 years yeah. in a roundabout way, give or take five. What? So, uh, yeah, we've been working as the youth ministers for the Crossings Church for a while now. And um, what's been the greatest thing for us, and maybe specifically I'll talk for myself, in working with the youth ministry, it hasn't been just me working with the youth ministry. It's been a lot of you guys as well. It's been a lot of people as a blended ministries in the church. Being able to work together as a body of Christ has been instrumental in the growth of our ministry together. There's actually a passage of scripture that I'm going to read to you guys. It's in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, verse uh, 21 through 26. It says uh, this. I'm going to cut you off real quick. I think just... Oh, my God. <laughs> this is how it's going to be. Uh, you know, just in talking about reviving connection between ministries, um, I think just realizing that the reality is um, transitioning just can be really hard from one ministry to the next. And we see that, and that's proven to be true if you actually look at any statistics within the church because we are losing, we are losing students, kids, you know, I guess it's more in that 18 to 23 um, range that you're seeing this, but we're, we're losing them far too much. Um, and I think why I'm passionate about this is because I think if we could get these connecting things right along the way, it's inevitable we are going to lose people because Satan wins sometimes. We can't. We can't make someone stay, right? But I am passionate about it because I think if, if we did more, if we were more aware of some things and we didn't miss so much along the way, we would see those numbers be far less than what they are, or prayerfully far less than what they are. So um, just going into, I know RJ's, I, sorry, I cut him off already. That's going to happen in here because that's who you. we are. But um, we do want to talk, just talk about why, why does connection matter? That's one reason, and there's, you know, we're going to go into some more. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, verse uh, 21, starting in verse 21 through 26, listen to what God has to say about being united and being connected. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with such special honor. And the parts, of, uh, and the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has, to put, has, has the body put together, giving greater honor to the parts that, are, uh, that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. 
If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's what the Lord says about being united as a body. I know that in the churches, in our church specifically, we're designated as, as in different ministries, which I think that's great. We have the children's ministry, we have the junior high ministry, we have the high school ministry, the campus ministry, the young adults, and the adult ministries. You just talked, you listened to Robert and Rita, or I'm sorry, Robert and Wes, and uh, who else was up here? Janice and Steve was up here talking about the other ministries. We're filled with ministries, all separate entities, equally as important with one another equally as important. If it wasn't for the other ministries that helped to refine us, to make us better, our ministry would be nothing the way that it is. But being able to have a connection between ministries like we have, being able to comfortably say that my, my, my seniors, my high school students, my junior hires can come up into the high school ministry with a good trans transition. My high schoolers can go up to the college ministry with a good transition. Why is that? Not because I'm good but because we as a body have recognized the benefit of blending and being connected together. Well, yeah, and have you ever seen what happens to a body that isn't unified? If you just look, and sadly, if you just look across the, the nation of our churches of Christ, you see a lot more preachers, a lot more, you know, um, bowing out because they're tired. You see, and I mean, I got to see that growing up with uh, being a preacher's kid, not so much for my own father, thankfully, but a lot of my friends, um, a lot of, disunity, a lot of not being able to, to agree on just the common purpose of what God wants to happen within our churches, and it is destroying them. Mm -hmm. um, so unity, God wrote this, 1 Corinthians 12 was written with us in mind as this, everything else is in, you know, God's word. Um, but I think we would be very foolish, you know, to not take heed to it. Um, go ahead. <laughs> um, agreed. <laughs> Uh, you know, so looking at the ministry, looking at ministries, what do we need to have uh, in, really, in order to lead our ministries? Let's look at a couple things. First thing that we think that is really important to make sure that you have in your ministry is you have a heart for the ministry. You got to have a heart for it. You know, when he's saying this, if you lack any of these things, and the reason we're saying this, what I must have in order to lead my ministry, if you lack these things, there's, there's going to be a little to no chance of even getting to the connecting part because your ministry is going to flake out to begin with. So just remembering that there's some core things that you have to have before you even get to the connection part internally for yourself, you know, and that first thing is that heart for your ministry that RJ is going to expound upon. Yeah, so your heart for your ministry, guys, you just, just ask yourself, do you really love it? Do you, do, you, do you really love it? And there's a passage of scripture that actually comes to mind in thinking that. It's James chapter 2, verse 18. You know, you say that you love something. You say that you have, the, that, that you have faith in something, that you really want to be a part of something with your ministry. Well, he says in James, he actually challenges you, okay, well, show me your faith without your deeds, right? Well, what are your deeds, your actions? You love your ministry, right? But does it show up? Do you really love it? Do, you, do your prayers, are your prayers overwhelmed with the thought of the students that are walking through your campuses? Are you, when, when that student passes by and you see them, do you see them as that person who is really hurting, who once was you? Do you have a heart for your ministry to really grow it? Uh, I think about, you know, for, for us, you know, honestly, there's been some struggles with that for me in my ministry. Having a heart for it a desire to want to see it grow, a desire to see young men and young women really grab a hold of a relationship with God that doesn't end and is not fed by me, but fed by the word and fed by him. That's something that allows young men and young women to transition easily. That's something that you guys need to make sure that you actually have for your people, that love for them. 
uh, I think, you know, of bringing people into our family nights at home, you know, throughout the week. You know, having them over for dinner and sitting around and just involving them in your life. You care about them. You love them. Do you have a heart for your ministry? Yeah, if you're not losing sleep over your ministry at some point, you probably should start looking at the condition of your heart. Um, I think also the second thing that you got to have that foundation is you have to have a dream for the kingdom. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now glory be to God by his mighty power at work within us is able to do far more than we could ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. Um, when you think of your students in your ministry, so maybe you're a leader here and you have, you know, more like for us, it's we think of our students, our high school students. For you guys, it may be a peer or whatever it is. But when you think of them, do you look at them, do you catch yourself looking at them and thinking, what are you going to become one day? Um, I'm really sensitive to this because it means so much to me. Because I think if you don't dream for them, if you can't have a dream for them, you don't love them enough to begin with. You know, when I look at um, students that come up in our ministry and they come in fresh and they come in crazy and a mess sometimes, and sometimes it could be really hard to look at them and think, man, they're going to become anything because I just want to choke them right now. You know, I but then I, then, the but then I see little pieces of them, little pieces of, you know, that heart that God put in them, little, these good things. And I can't help but look and think, man, what are you going to become one day? What, what will you be? Um, you know, I think often that the problem, and, and not even with our students, guys, just look around your church in general when we're talking about connecting. When, you, when those little kids are running up and down the stage, do you just look at those little kids and think, man, those dang little kids are always bumping into me. You know, who's, get who's out of here. I'm going to Spartan kick them to the side. Parent? You know, I, I mean, I just think when, when you're looking at your church as a whole, is that all you see when you look at them? Is, is it like an irritation or this or that? Or do you catch yourself looking at those kids and going, man, they are full of energy. What is God going to do to use that energy one day? Like, what will they, what will they become? Um, just daring to dream for them. And I think often a problem within our churches and within our children's ministry, within our youth ministries, across the board, across the nation, and our college ministries, adult ministries, is that we have dreamed entirely too small. Um, what we need to remember, you guys, and I think one thing I pushed myself to remember in the youth ministry is, is it's more than... It's about more than making them, quote-unquote, good kids, a good, you know, a, a good kid, a Christian kid, but it's about, about making them a, a world changer, that they're going to be something incredible. Um, so just, just ask yourself that. I, I, you know, I agree 100% with what Ashley's saying here, dreaming for the, the younger generations. There, a lot of times people are left with no dreams, right? They're beat down all the time. It seems like things are hopeless. But to give them an opportunity to see what they can become through the power of God, that's amazing. And then you know what another thing about dreaming for, for those ministries and the people that you're working with? Eventually, those younger generations, they're going to grow to become your age, aren't they? Don't you want to accomplish something at a, at a young age to instill something in them, to dream so big for them, to be able to see what God has in store for them, for you to cast that vision, and then eventually when they become a junior high or a teenager, a campus student, they're already molded and they're firm in the word. They're already, they're already in the position to be able to take off running rather than be in the position where you were or I was at 19, year old, at 19 years old just struggling along and trying to retrain myself. Dream for them at a young age. You have to have a dream for them. Another thing. Uh, that you have to have. You, guys, you got to have an understanding. Uh, where am I here? What? You have to have an understanding of what you're up against. 
Sorry, I was looking at the wrong thing. You have to have an understanding of what you're up against. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says this, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Many times in working in ministry, sometimes we, I think that we tend to... we tend to feel that this is just what I'm a part of. You know, you're not battling against other ministries. I'm not battling against the junior high ministry. My goal is not to battle against the high school ministry or the adult ministry. We're to connect. Satan has been out there feeding this lie to us for years and years and years that we're battling the people, right? That's what I think of sometimes whenever my frustrations about what's going on in life or in the world. And I get, it's easy to get frustrated and mad at this person because we see them. We hear what they're saying. We, we, we feel the, the, the anger and the frustration from that person. And all of my energy and all my frustration is on them. But what does the Lord say? We're not battling those people. Our war is not against flesh and blood. Our war is against the principalities. It's the rulers. It's the evil one. Remember who you're really fighting against. You're not fighting against the other ministries and who's growing the fastest. You're not fighting against them about what, who has the greatest events. You have to know. You have to know who you're fighting against. Listen, he against. gets really excited. And then he'll, like, in one point, do the whole lesson. No. Like, I love it. But, no. yes, you do. He's just going to keep going. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. Listen. So, I, no, with, with that being said, I do think, like, in understanding what you're up against, we're just up against a tough world, like RJ's saying. You know, Satan's out to make things difficult on people. We're up against a lot of crap. Um, I got on my time hop this morning, and that's a blessing and a curse most of the time for me. I love it, or, or and it fills me, or completely breaks me down. But today was a pretty good day. Um, and it's, I, I had wrote this a few years ago. It said, it was a quote that I had read. It said, adolescence is that time when I think it can be, it's the cruelest place on earth. It really can be heartless. And I wrote, um, I remember feeling this in high school. Why have I done youth ministry the past 10 years? Well, because I can re- certainly relate. But I also have to believe that God can and will constantly use me, flaws and all, in teaching teenagers today that this is not always the case and that their lives certainly do not have to be defined by this conclusion. The world can be cruel, but God can bring joy in the midst of the junk that man has made of this place. It's incredibly rewarding to find your calling, take a chance, and find yours. Um, So I think just looking at that, I'm just reminded, why am I doing this? Because people are hurting and the world sucks. So... Um, so you have those foundational things, why, you know, what you have to have, but then, you know, something we want to talk about is what I must become in order to help connect. And these are just going to be some specific things we're going to walk through that you can look at that we have done not so well at, and some we have done well at over the years, but we have learned through them. So, um, one of the first things, uh, is that you got to become relational. Um, if you're a, if you're a ministry leader for RJ and I, it means knowing our other ministry leaders. It means taking the time to hang out with them, you know, from time to time, to pull them aside in the busyness and the craziness of it all, and just to talk to them. Because you need to understand their hearts, and you need to understand their intentions, right? Um, I think of, I think of my friend, she comes up all the time, because she was really awesome, but um, I think of Mallory, that's TC's um, sister, um, she was one of my best friends, and Mal passed away last year, um, but she was incredible, 
Um, she did our junior high ministry, which was the sixth through eighth graders. And honestly, one, by far one of the best junior high leaders I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but she, uh, she was very good at, at blending um, the ministry. So we have a new Heights program here, if you guys aren't aware of that, it's a tutoring and mentoring program for some kids that come from really hard, dysfunctional homes. Um, and they're younger, they're up in you know, their elementary school, up to fifth grade. So coming out of the Heights and then just the you know, church ministries in general, she would get the fifth, upcoming you know, sixth graders, the fifth graders. And what Mal was really good at was I would always hear her say, you know, I've been talking to Laura, who is our new Heights leader, about, do you remember this? Because <laughs> it was probably all the time, because she talked a lot, you know, about this and this person. And, and Mallory, man, when these kids came, when they, when they came out of the Heights ministry, they knew, they knew that where they wanted to be, and they knew they were loved. And Mallory understood by talking to Laura, you know, and knowing her and having that friendship and that relationship, how she could make the best environment for Laura's kids. You, you know what I'm saying? So that when Laura handed these kids off, these kids for years that she has loved and cared for, when, she handed, when you hand them off, that can be scary. But if you have a relationship with that ministry leader that you're handing them off to, that fear subsides because you know that they are going to be loved. You know that they are going to be cared for. If I'm just handing them off to some stranger that I just see maybe once, you know, a week that I don't, I'm not in communication with, I'm probably going to be a little concerned, you know. So it's important to be relational, to know them. Some ways that we do that um, in the ministry, I think, here and in our church, like we said with, you know, Mallory to Laura, and honestly, something that we didn't even realize was lacking so much until Mal, Mal got sick and, and passed away. And in the last year, I was like, why are we not, why are we losing connection with these kids? It didn't seem to use to transition this rough. And then, you know, the glue that stuck it all together, I realized was Mallory. And we had dropped the ball in that and had to adjust. And I've tried this year to make sure we're doing, we're doing better and we're picking up the slack in that. But some other things, um, I think, you know, our church, we do leadership campouts. All the leaders, adults, all their crazy kids, which we have a lot of kids. Most of them are ours, you know, and um, student ministries, interns. We all come together, and we spend a couple days together, and we camp out, you know, or whatever. And, and we have lessons, and we sing, and we just, we know each other. Um, I think of refocus retreats, our youth ministry leaders. When you work with teenagers all the time, sometimes it's like, oh, my gosh, I, I, don't get me wrong. I love the teenagers, but I just want to see and, like, talk to an adult like or like a peer. Time. You know, I just need a second. Um, and so we would often go to the <laughs> campus ministries refocus retreats. Yeah, we're talking about you. Um, the campus ministry refocus retreats for a couple of days, and that was for campus. But we were, were around that, well, we were around that age. And... You know, we would spend a couple days there. And, and the cool thing was we knew them. You know, we got to know our campus leaders who we're sending our kids to next, you know, and trust their hearts and abilities. And they got to see ours, and they got to understand, you know, what, who we were and what we loved about our kids and all these things. I think about um, other relationships, things I have. I'm, my kids are so fortunate and so blessed. Um, they have, and where's Aaron? Here. Aaron was up earlier, but give me a wave. This guy, um, we have cross chats on Thursdays, and my boys' football practices got switched to Thursdays. Um, so we were like, man, they're just not going to be able to, to play. But we've been reaching out to some parents on the team, and we want them to be able to do it. It just wasn't going to work out. So Aaron, who lived with us, he came up through the youth ministry, then he lived with us for a while before he went and grew up on me. Um, he, uh, he has come every 
every, almost every Thursday, and he gets my kids home from practice, and he takes them to the cross chat for me every Thursday. He's, in, he's a young married man. Thank you, Jess. For, she says she likes to get rid of him, but really, I know how that can be, you know, for letting him. But he comes, and it's not out of just like this, okay, I got to do the right thing. No, like he comes and he helps coach and he comes to the games on Saturdays when he can. And if you ask my son, Gabriel, my, my youngest, a couple years ago, I think, he was like, hey, mom, Aaron's my brother, right? And I was like, yeah, you know, Aaron's your brother. He's like, no, but like, he's like our blood, right? And I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> he's black, you know, we're white, but yeah, I mean, Christ's blood, yeah. And he's like, mom, no, he's my brother, right? <laughs> and the answer is, yeah, he is your brother. You Absolutely. asking a question, you making a statement. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> that's what I That's exactly say. what it was. <laughs> yeah. He, but having that, Having that so that I know, man, some, some days when I just, my Gabriel can be sometimes. He's just like me in a lot of ways. And so can Malachi. But knowing I have this relationship with other young men that I, can, that I trust and that I can say, hey, this kid, here you go. Talk to him because he's not hearing mom. That is a connection within the church that it means the world to me. That, that could mean the chance between my children partly making it to heaven or not. Because some days you don't want to listen to mom and dad, but you're going to hear that guy that's taking the time to love you, love them, you know, um, and put that, put in that time. Um, so I think just being relational. Um, if you come hang out with our junior high and high school leaders, we're a mess. We're, you know, we're goofy and we love each other and we're there for each other. Um, and that's not to brag, you know, it's just, that's how we work best. You know, when we have each other's back, you know, when we're not afraid to tell each other what we sucked at that week or what we did well that week or what we need advice on. We're comfortable on that level. And I think with, do you want to add something? I was just going to, you talking about See being relational. Talking about being relational. <laughs> being relational is, is, is exactly what, what that is. It's, it's about having that relationship with God, right? So it transitions into everything. Being relational has allowed us to be able to uh, be the best ministry possible because we, we allow and we rely on other ministries to heavily be involved with us. Uh, when we have our, just a few weeks ago, we had to figure out where our seniors are going to go, you know, and graduating the seniors up and trying to think about, like, you know, what kind of <laughs> what group leaders are they going to be the best, you know, involved with? Uh, who are they going to mend well the best with in the campus ministry? Who should we be moving the junior hires up to in the high school ministry? Who are the fifth graders going to be coming into for the junior high ministry? That took some time. That took some time, not because, it, and, and it's, it, you could almost just do like a lottery drawing. You could. <laughs> you could put a number on every one of them and just throw them in, but it was very, very difficult to do that. Why? Because I know the kids, you know? I know the campus leaders, I know who the junior high leaders are and who the high school leaders are. So whenever it's hard to just put a number on that person because you know what they need, that's part of having that relationship. We've, the church has done so well with that. It's, and it's almost hard to explain how that happens. The only thing that I can think of is because with the church, you're just trying to be like Christ. You're having a relationship with God, which means you're going to have a relationship with his people. Not just the people in my ministry, but the people in my congregation. Yeah, I think so. Just knowing each other and having each other's backs. You know, I, a few years back when Lindenwood was being terrible to our campus ministry, and I mean awful, um, 
and the teens caught wind of that, they blew up near their news feed and different things just of the teenagers saying, hey, this is what the campus ministry has done you know, for me. I can't wait to be a part of that campus ministry. When everyone else was criticizing them and saying, you're this and you're that and really painting a horrible picture of our campus ministry, the teens were like, uh, no, that's ridiculous. They come to camps with us. They serve us. They, they have loved us when my own parents didn't love me. You don't get to talk to them about them like that. They have, we have these relationships that say, you know, that's my person. No, we're not going to do that. Um, and so that helps blend incredibly. I, I don't even know don't if know I know who you're messing with. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think along with that, just something else that you guys have to become. So you got to be, be relational, and that's one of the biggest ones. That's why we went on and on yeah. about it. But I think, too, in that, you got to be humble. Um, <laughs> you know, it's not about you. Um, just be able to take some criticism. You know, we're not perfect. We're human. You're not going to do everything right. So if another ministry leader or someone comes to you and says, hey, I think you missed this, or, you know, man, you were just wrong. You got to have the ability, and I, I'm not good at this. I've, I really tried to become better at it. It's not personal. They're trying to do something that helps our church as a whole, and they're trying to get people to heaven. And if I'm going to need to be fixed or pointed out or altered in some way, then I got to be able to have the humility to say, okay, you're right. I'm, I'm, I miss that. Um, Proverbs 11, two says when pride comes, then comes shame, but wisdom is with those who have no pride. Um, we got to be able to look at situations and evaluate, you know, what we could do better. You know, we sit down at the end of every school year and periodically throughout it and we say, what did we miss? You know, what, what can you do? What can you do better at? What can I do better at? And it's not always fun, <laughs> uh, but it is, it is completely necessary because how do you work with other people? How does our church work together when no one feels heard by, each, by anybody? How do you work together if you know, man, I can't say anything to that person? You know the answer to that? You don't work yeah, you together. stay away. And, what, and then what happens? Then the relationship is broken. And then the kids see that. Up, yeah, you can't come up and talk to somebody or, about something, really? you know, whatever, and they don't want any part of it. You know, so, yeah. I, I think just, you know, that's just another, it, it's just another lie that Satan feeds into, uh, you know, to the insecurities and the selfishness and the sin that we have in our life. To make, to make it seem like, like Carrie or Robert or Tim or Wes or my other leaders or somebody couldn't come and say something, hey, listen, I think maybe you could have done that differently. And you have the gall to stand there and not want to listen. You have, you have a high and mighty spirit to make it think like you can't take some correction. This isn't even your ministry to own. This is the Lord's. You get to serve in it. You get the honor of being a part of that, being able to have older brothers and sisters and even younger brothers and sisters a part of me to be able to look from the outside from an unbiased opinion to say, hey, listen, maybe we could do this differently. You take it. You take the evaluation. That's what the Word of God is, right? It's, the, it's our standard, if you have a standard, you have to meet that standard. You have to run an evaluation on it. Be humble and listen to the outside people coming in and trying to talk with you about things. The next one that you need to become is you got to become gracious. Become gracious. In Hebrews chapter 10. Oh, nope, sorry. No, I touched, I touched oh, his screen on accident. Sorry, on. it's Don't okay. touch anything, please. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 says this, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. No one's perfect, right? You have to be forgiving. 
No one, no one is going to walk through life and not make any mistakes. And when someone wrongs you, when something is not going the way that you think it should go, be gracious with them, especially if they express that sorrow, right? You have to learn to be forgiving in, in a world and in, in dealing with people. You have to be. To recognize that people are flawed is almost like you, is you remembering where you came from. People have been gracious with you. The Lord has been gracious with you. In working with other ministries, you've got to learn to become gracious. You gotta, you've got to know that sometimes you've got to put yourself in their perspective. You know the difference between sympathy and empathy? Understanding and being able to put yourself in someone else's position, position in their circumstances, that's having empathy. with Having sympathy on someone is saying, oh, man, I'm sorry that you've got to deal, deal with that and walk away. But to have empathy, to understand what, some, what someone is going through helps you to, to have some perspective, to be able to know that, hey, listen, you made a mistake. I know you made that mistake, not because you don't like me, but because you got issues going on. Sometimes I think as min- in, in ministries, like, for example, our ministry, it's like it's, uh, we're busy all the time. It's running, running, running all the time. You know, as soon as I get off work, I'm usually, I'm, I'm going home to get changed and I'm going on to do something else, you know, what, and usually it's meetings, maybe it's practices, maybe it's hanging out, maybe it's zone meetings, it's core meeting, it's various different things throughout the week, you know, and sometimes it's easy for me to get focused in on what I have going on, and then when something happens against me, I think, you horrible person, you, how, da- how dare you, you know, and I forget, oh man, you know what, they're doing the same thing that I am. I don't know exactly what they're going through, but you can slow down for a second, know that the same problems and the same issues that you're battling, battling through, often other people are battling, battling through those as well. Remember and be gracious. Forgive them. Um, I think, too, you've got to become secure. Um, you know, sometimes something I've learned <laughs> is that growth won't always happen on your watch with someone. So with the high schoolers, we have them for four years, you know, and then we kick them off to the, to the campus ministry. Even if they become super seniors, we still move them on. <laughs> I'm done Haven't with you. You got four years. No. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, there has been times where we've had a kid come, oh, hey, you. Yes, Boston. I didn't, this really wasn't planned, but Boston was this kid. Um, God love you, Boston. We had Boston for four years, for example. Well, for three, two or three years. Yeah-ish. And he was hard-headed at the time. You know, he, so much, but at the time, his fiance was just cheering. So here's the thing. Boston had so much potential. He was that kid that I could look, look at and just dream for easily, like no problem. But man, he was just stuck in his ways at that time or stuck in, in Satan's ways at that time. Um, and so RJ and I, man, we had him at the house. You know, we tried, Aaron tried working it. We just worked real hard and it felt like we'd get so far and we take a couple steps back, but I did never feel like I got to see Boston grab a hold of the dreams, you know, that God had for him while he was in our ministry. Like I would have liked him to because it could have avoided some heartache, right, during those years. But Boston went off to college, um, and not even in our campus ministry. Went somewhere, and every now and then he would call in and check in with RJ, you know, which gave us some hope because he's, you know, still. You know, just wanted to, I don't even know what you guys would talk about. Sometimes advice, sometimes just life, whatever. Just, you know, just letting him know, hey, I'm still still out here. I'm here. Um, And then Boston ended up moving back. 
out to our area and got connected um, again with the campus ministry here and has, has been incredible. Like he still, you know, had to work through things just like we do, but those dreams, you know, that I once had for him, I've got to see unfold. You know, he's married, he's marrying an incredibly good woman that I like, yay, because, yay. I didn't like some of the others in high school, you know. So now I get to watch this unfold. Now it would have been really easy for me to look at him and go, what, you didn't like me enough to you didn't like me enough to become better in high school? Like, I didn't mean all that stuff I did for you. That didn't matter. That didn't want No, because it, it wasn't about me. That was, that was his own, you know, his own things. I did what I could. It didn't take then. But praise God that it took later, right? Praise God that, that, he, that someone else or some other circumstance in life at a different time pushed his heart and pushed him to become the man that he is now. Thank you, God, for that instead of me sitting back and going, he likes them better. Because I'm telling you, as a youth leader for 13 years, there are times, and I'm sure even in adult ministry, when you send someone over to someone else, or even in campus ministry, they, they went with a different small group that semester, and all of a sudden, they're doing great, and you wanted to ram your head up against the wall with them. It's easy to go, oh, man, man, I just don't you get you getting this insecure, self-pity mode, you know, whatever. 1 Corinthians 3, um, 6 through 9 is one of my, my favorite. Um, pictures of this. It says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but it was God who kept it growing. This shows that the one who plants or the one who waters is not the important one. There it is. God is the important one. He makes it grow. The one who plants and the one who waters are alike. Each one will receive his own reward, for we work together with God. You are God's field. So I think one thing that you got to look at is you got to be secure. You got to be secure enough to just say, praise God, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily, maybe I didn't have the best hand in that or whatever, but praise God something came of it. And also, you got to be secure enough to say, okay, maybe I didn't do that well enough. You know, there's two sides of that. Maybe, maybe that kid or that person didn't really thrive because I wasn't being what I needed to be. So I'm going to have the security to say, you know what, maybe I wasn't all that I should have been for you, but I'm, I'm working on that, and I'm so grateful that God has worked in spite of me in that. So praise God for, for growth. Um, I think even going so far to thank others for their investment. You know, when someone else does something that helps create that connection and that growth in someone, go to them and be like, thank you. Thank you for sticking it out with them because I was going to go crazy, <laughs> you know, or whatever. Thank you for fighting for them. Um, just doing everything to, to um, I think, set up that, that security that says, I know that I'm not the important one in this, that, that God is and that God is being glorified. You know, staying away from statements. <laughs> I know, like, people like to joke, like, wait, wait till you come up to the campus ministry. You know, it's going to be so much better. Or, no, man, high school is better. You know, and I, I hear that. And most, I'm telling you, most of the time it really is just purely we're goofing off and joking and we like to haggle each other. But I think there are times where people really do become competitive in that. And they, no, one ministry, that's not defined as, as better. It's just another step. It's just something different that's supposed to provoke a different type of growth. You know what I mean? So just letting people know you're in the high school ministry now, be secure in that and do everything you can to make that ministry on fire. You're in the campus ministry. When I come up there, I'm going to help light it up too. You know, being able to have that confidence to, to hand them over to other people. What did that passage say that I read to you at the beginning, 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Doesn't it say at the end of it, if one part 
suffers, every part suffers, but man, if one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Success in the ministry means success is the body. Uh, a failure in a ministry means a failure in the body. It doesn't mean a failure in the youth ministry. It means the body hurts. Whenever we have people who come up into other ministries and they succeed and they flourish and they become, uh, in, in our congregation, interns, cell leaders, group leaders, ministry leaders, that's success for the body. That's rejoicing for God. So be secure to know that sometimes you would love to see that seed grow into that awesome flower or that awesome tree with stability and strength that benefits others. You would love to see that in the midst and the glimpse, the small glimpse of the ministry that we get to have with them for those four years. But if I don't, I'm okay with that because I'm hoping that eventually God grows that seed into something great in the future. And then that is equally as fulfilling. Yeah, I think sometimes that seed is just there enough for them to give you a phone call once a month when they're away at college, yeah. you know, and you what, are grateful yeah, for that. I, I love those calls too, man. If, if Ashley knew, man, if it, if it was dinner time, if it, we were watching a movie, if it didn't matter, man, if Boston called, hey, I'm going to take this real quick, you know. Um, it's cool to have that, you know. That's, it's great to have that. Uh, if I relied solely on what the youth ministry accomplishes for me and does for me, I would be, I would be empty. I'd be half full, I guess I should say, not empty. Not that you're, you know, make me empty, Jayton. I don't know I would be half that. full. You know what really <laughs> makes me so joyful and, 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 and fulfills my life is that the body of Christ gets to be successful, not just my ministry. Okay, next one. What you have to do is you got to become serving. Mark chapter 10, verse 45 says this, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom. That's Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Look also at Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Your opportunity to be alive in the flesh is an opportunity to serve one another. You got to become a servant. If you want your ministry to grow, if you want your ministries to blend and connect to each other, you got to become servants. You know, uh, it, let me ask you guys this. If, if you have served in my, for my youth ministry at any cross chats, at any events, at any retreats, uh, at any camps, Please stand up. Adult, junior hires, high schools, I don't care who you are. Please stand up. You see adults. You see campus. You see my high schoolers standing up. You see all of these people as the body of Christ being able to serve. Go ahead and sit down. Thank you, guys. You know why we have such great success as a ministry? is because all the other ministries reach down and help. That's why. We have, I, man, we got Facebook page after Facebook page after Facebook page. I don't even know. Uh, Ashley, take, you know, it's like I can focus on a few of them, you know, and, and, and it doesn't take but a second. We could send something out, literally. I was talking with my group the other day about that, my zone group. I know that if it was, man, if it was one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning, you know, and a, a tragedy happened at my house. You know, say, say, I don't know, the, something, the house blew down. Ashley and I and the kids laying out in the, in the grass and we're struggling. I could send a message out That's at a 2 o'clock in the picture. morning. Huh? Terrible picture. 
Terrible picture. That's the true struggle right there. I could send a message out, and I know at, at the drop of a hat, I could have hundreds of people there for me. Hundreds. Why? Not because I'm so great, but because we have servants who are my friends. Right? That's what helps a ministry to grow. Whenever I post something out or we say, hey, listen, we need some rides for some people. Can you guys help? Hey, we got to have some. Can, can I get you guys to help make some Thanksgiving food for our Thanksgiving cross chat and stuff? And turkey upon turkey comes cooked, hopefully. Hopefully it's not frozen. One time it came one frozen. Time, one time it came frozen. Look, we try to feed these kids like in 30 minutes, and you've got frozen 25-pound turkey. You might as well it's go It's okay. We got that. some roasted new chickens. <laughs> take that down. Why does that happen? Uh, it's, because, it's not because the youth ministry is so great. It's because our body of Christ has servants. You want your ministries to be connected? Become a servant. Know that, man, it, if it wasn't for the people helping in the junior high ministry, the high school ministry, the campus ministry, camps wouldn't happen. It would nope. be impossible to have my 20 leaders in the youth ministry to be able to run that. It takes that whole congregation to be in there and help. And you know what helps with that also? Then the relationships get to be built. It's like, a, it's like this huge cycle. That's, it's, it's great. Uh, I think, too, you got to become excited. Proverbs 17, 22, a joyful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries up the bones. Um, Proverbs 15, 30 says, a cheerful look brings joy to the heart. You know, the kids that we work with, they need to know how excited we are for their next venture. Um, there was a period of time in the youth ministry, I was like, man, I only get them for a set amount of time. And sometimes there's juniors and seniors, and sometimes when they're the senior, they finally get it after three years of not getting it. And they're doing something, and then i got to send them off to the campus ministry, and they get to reap the benefits of it. Just a horrible attitude, you know, or just a pouty, like, hmm, like, like, okay, right, Nick, one of my... Um, he was horrible to begin with, but he's incredible. Like, he's become so incredible now, and he's graduating, and I am, like, in turmoil about it, like, to some degree, because I... You couldn't have done this a couple years I, ago? No, I just, no, not even that. I just, I'm going to miss, like, I'm going to miss him, you know, seeing him as, as, like, we do as often as we do. It would be very easy for me to kind of become pouty, self, you know, kind of self-pity, like, like, this stinks, you know, but really, it doesn't stink it out. It doesn't stink at all. It's incredible. I get to tell him... Like, Nick, man, you've done what you need to do here. Now you need to go there and do it. And I'm so excited to see how God is going to develop you in the campus ministry because we have an awesome freaking campus ministry. It's incredible. And I get to, I get to be joyous in that. I get to be excited when Jimmy and Boston, who were like, my kids came and said, I think I want to go on the church plant to the inner city. No, like, I love you. Stay every Sunday where it's comfortable with me, you know, but... No, they want to be church planners. They want to go out in the adult ministry. Absolutely, I support you. I'm so excited for you. That helps give them the confidence. It helps give our church that confidence to know that wherever there's a need, we are going to have the security and the excitement to say, go and fill it. Um, the benefit. So we talked about things that you have to have, you have to become. Okay, the benefit of having minutes. the kind of connection. Do we? Yep. Okay. Four. All right, let me talk the rest okay. of this, okay? The benefit of the connection is, one, students get to become secure. You remember the security that we talked about between us? You know, us having security and knowing that other people are going to be a part of our ministry and they're not stomping all over us and we don't get to see the success right now, but the success comes later. That security, it rolls into the kids as well. Second Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5 says this, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother, Lois, 
and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. You see the secession there? The generational transformation? That's the goal. The goal is to obtain that relationship with God for myself, pass that on to everybody else as generational transformation. Security, if you have it, is going to go down to the kids as well. That's, that's some of the benefits of being able to have that connection between the ministries. We had a, I had a message pop up from a couple years ago from a kid named Ben who had anything but security growing up, really rough life. Um, he's in the campus ministry now, and he had wrote this as a senior, and his, just it was on Time Hop today. Look at that. Time Hop was good to me. I just can't even say how much that means. Um, it says, tonight was my last cross chat of my high school days. I'm feeling rather nostalgic as I enter the limbo stage before entering campus. I can't help but thank God for all the wonderful leaders and teens in the ministry. You all molded me and guided me into the path of God. I can't thank any of you enough for changing my life forever. And I can't wait to see what God holds in store for me looking forward. And although my excitement is matched by my nervousness heading into campus, I'm ready to be challenged and learn as much as I can. And I just think looking at him, this kid who was so insecure, you know, when we got him, had the security to say, okay, I'm nervous, but man, I am excited, you know, to go to this next step. That's, that's connection. That's, that's, what we're, that's what we're looking for. And now, Ben is flourishing in the campus ministry, you know, and it's, it's a blessing to watch. When you see that security, your heart is filled. The other benefit is that your heart can be filled. The security's passed on, but you know what? Man, there's a great feeling to know that you're doing something right. There's a great feeling to know that whenever you see another person grab a hold of that relationship with God and run with it. Um, Third John 1, 4 says, nothing makes me happier than to hear my children are living according to the truth. This is kind of my theme for my, as a, being a youth leader. Um, just watching kids connect and grow has been the greatest blessing of our lives. It really has. Um, mm-hmm. You know, having them come up to me years out of high school and say, hey, when, when, hey Ma, when am I coming over for dinner? You know, and just watching them develop my heart. I could have done a million things with my life and most of them wouldn't have been good. But being able to connect kids, you know, to my family, to my church, to my ministry, to God has been rewarding beyond words. I, I can't even, I can't even tell you. True. Can't, I, I, there's nothing else to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> being able to look out in here, you know, is, uh, is rewarding. You know, Brett teaches, you know, upstairs for the kids ministry, being able to watch him and know that my kids love going to that class. You know, Christy serving with us now in the youth ministry. Uh, Matt serving with us in the youth. Darion, Aaron, Boston's in here. Jess, Mel. There you are, right? Michelle, watching you guys. Anthony, knowing that you are, you're, you're still here and you're thriving. That's, that's, uh, that's fulfilling. That's being able to have your heart filled. And the last thing. Uh, the benefit of having that connection between your ministries is that the world gets to become a better place. The world has a better chance. Um, I think we just kind of, I mean, we, we've stated that, you know, church planners are produced, um, lives are changed, Ten, teens become teen ministry leaders. You know, people are saved because they're drawn and they replicated the love that they were shown within our ministries. Yeah. And... It's, it's turned upside down because of it. You know, who knows who will be here, you know, next year because we continue to connect and love the way that God had asked us to. Um, so, Guys, and that's the goal. 
We want to be world changers. We want to revive what we have going on. The world needs it. Whenever we do these things and we work together as a body of Christ, we don't just get to be blessed, but the world gets to be blessed too. Everybody's looking for something. Let's give them something to look forward to. Let's give them something to look at and actually obtain that gives them an opportunity to have success in their life as well and an eternity in heaven with our Father. Let's pray. Father, I want to come to you today and thank you for the ministries that have blessed mine. Thank you for the people who serve in those ministries. Father, thank you for always uh, finding a way for us. Father, help us to always seek you out, continue to love you above everything else, and in doing so, we'll be richly rewarded. We praise your son's name. Amen. Amen.